Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin. As always, I'm joined alongside my Kentucky boy, Angelo Carriero. How you doing today, brother? I don't know if I want to be introduced any longer as the Kentucky boy, Angelo Carriero. I feel like it would be more fitting to be introduced as the 2022 <laughs> summer redraft champion, baby. Let's go. Let's go. How does it feel, Brendan, coming out, having the, me having that title? How does that feel? Oh man, I've I've only been crying about it for the last week. You know, I've been I've been making a grand plan on all the strategies for next summer. I'm I'm a year ahead of you, Angelo. So it hurts in the moment, but I'm gonna make it hurt twice as bad for you next year around. But the 2022 draft champion, Angelo Carriero. How does that sound? I can just feel you neglecting all of your work, your girlfriend. She's like, I'm going to leave you, I swear. And you're just like, not now, honey. I've got a 2009 mock draft simulation. I'm on 5,082. I need more. Like, <laughs> I didn't get the players I wanted in round 12, so we got to do it again. But Got to do it again, babe. <laughs> Burning heaters and just drinking whiskey out of a bottle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But Angelo... Aside from those drafts, you and I, we got started with our 2023 NFL draft class. And this week, you went in-depth on the defensive tackles. And I, as I presented my centers last week, this time around, you went really in-depth into the tackles. And I kind of did what you did last week. I watched uh, like maybe 10 to 15 minutes, a little bit on each of them. But I'm not going to lie. I watched a lot more Jalen Carter than I probably needed to. But... I had a good time doing so, so I'm not complaining, but I'm really, really excited for you to break those down, Angelo. But before we get into that, we just had some news that I have been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. It has come out in maybe the last 30, maybe 40 minutes. Baker Mayfield has been traded to the Carolina Panthers for a 2024, was it fifth round pick? Conditional fifth round pick. Oh, wow. So, and on top of that, Carolina was picking up, I believe it was uh, like $5 million of that contract, and they were able to cut $3.5 million off the base salary, and then Cleveland's going to be picking up the rest of it. And boy, to me, that's a win for the Browns, Angelo. There was, there was a point in time where everybody was saying that you're not getting rid of Baker Mayfield unless you pick up that entire contract for the team that he's playing for. And... Regardless, that's a lose-lose situation, you know, it, but to be able to get him, you know, out of, out of Cleveland, I love Baker, you know, I'm, the whole situation's a little unique to me, but uh, to, to not have to pay that entire contract is a massive, massive dub for the Browns, and I think the, the Panthers got themselves a pretty big dub as well. The Panthers did okay, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. I am looking at some of the the fine print in this uh, the reason why it's a conditional 2024 fifth round pick is because it can become a fourth round selection mm. so that is not next year's draft but the draft after and then also apparently Mayfield agreed to a three and a half million dollar pay cut because of this but can earn it back in incentives it does seem 
like Carolina will pay just like you said around five million dollars. So that's that's just a little bit of the specifics in that because I wanted to get those out of the way before we talk about it. Let's start off first with the Brown side of it. You are a young man. You're in college, okay? You are you are a guy that is very fresh into your NFL fandom. For for an example, I grew up. At the very beginning, I'm talking about, let's just say I started really watching NFL at 12, okay? Mm-hmm. I grew up with Brett Favre, but by the t- my first NFL draft, I saw Aaron Rodgers get picked. So he was already inherently my guy. By 08, I was about 16, started the Aaron Rodgers venture, and by the time I was 18, he had a Super Bowl, 19, a, a world-class level MVP season. And so that was kind of my experience going into the age rage you're at. So you really knew nothing but but downtroddenness and misery before <laughs> Baker Mayfield became the starting quarterback. And he is, like him or not, and I was among the people coming out of the draft that did not like Baker Mayfield, he has been the face of success in Cleveland football for this generation, but really since they became, and you know, so... Sorry for my boy, Kentucky legend Tim Couch, because they couldn't build a team around him. But that this is the guy that you've seen bring your team the most success. So I really want to know less about what specifics we'll get into and how this affects the NFL landscape. But how does that make you feel? What are your emotions going through on this day? You know, honestly, so I'll take it back a little bit to when the – discussion of us when we first acquired Deshaun Watson I mean I was obviously skeptical due to you know the situations going on surrounding Deshaun Watson but like you said I I grew up with Cody Kessler I grew up with Brian Hoyer Brandon Whedon I mean when I'm saying when when I prior to Baker Mayfield I had to sit there and say oh yeah Brandon Whedon was probably the most talented arm I saw on the Browns I mean that's that's pathetic and so to to finally get a guy like Baker that came onto the scene, you know, was originally a backup for the Browns, but Tyrod Taylor goes down. He comes in, gets us our first win. I could, I have never, that first Jets game, I never, ever felt what I felt watching his first start, ever. I just, I could feel that this dude had something special in him, and he wanted to play for the Browns. I can't say that I I loved what happened with what we did. You know, the dude played an entire season, an entire season on a torn labrum. You you can't expect anybody to be at their best game when they're playing on a torn labrum. So for us to do what we did to Baker Mayfield, I'm kind of disgusted by it. I, I was really offended by it, you know, and this is a guy that gave you everything, gave you the only ounce of success we've had in plus 20 plus years so to throw that away for a guy that we don't know is even going to start a game it's a huge slap in the face I mean I'm not going to sit here and act like Baker Mayfield is nearly as good of a quarterback as Deshaun Watson is he's not he's like I mean the best of the best Deshaun Watson is a hundred times better than the best Baker Mayfield but you put it perfectly like you had Aaron Rodgers so you're not you like Like, you're used to having this greatness, you know? Baker Mayfield was, like, just our only... Like, he gave us a sniff of what, you know, success could be. And to throw that away, it was like... Like, getting your favorite... Like, your parents buy you your favorite toy. And they they let you play with it. And you're having the best time in the world with it. And then they just grab it, rip it out of your hands, and then go give it to one of your other friends, you know? That's exactly what it felt like for me. And 
I can understand, yeah, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback, but I'm I'm praying for Baker Mayfield's success. If week one, Deshaun Watson's not starting, I'm the biggest Browns fan in the world. You guys know this. But if Baker Mayfield beats the Cleveland Browns week one, I won't be mad. I will be so happy for Baker Mayfield because he deserves to give the Cleveland Browns the big middle finger. And I really, like, it's in Carolina too. So I won't be too upset if he beats us because it's not in Cleveland. So I'm I'm upset that the the relationship ended the way it did. But for Baker Mayfield's sake and how much I appreciate him, I'm so happy for the guy. I'm super happy for him, and I am praying for his success. So with Baker, was he the one you wanted in 2018 out of all the quarterbacks available? Um, yes. my I remember the conversation my dad and I had um, maybe a day or two before the draft, and it was like the reports were coming out like, hey, I think Baker is actually going to end up being the first overall pick. And my dad and I, like, we really talked about it, but we've never had, like, a... Like, you look at all the quarterbacks the Browns have had, there's never been a guy that has, like, that that personality that you can follow that can lead guys. I mean, they've all been kind of, like, not to say they're weirdos, but we've never had, like, a leader. Deshaun Kaiser wasn't a leader. I mean, the dude was 20 years old, and you're asking him to be the face of a franchise. Cody Kessler's not a leader. Brandon Whedon was freaking 45 years old when we drafted him you know (laughs) Baker Mayfield just had that kind of it factor and yeah there was maybe like the the wasn't the best physical you know talent talented quarterback but he had that indescribable thing about the human being he was and that's why I really wanted him what's your favorite Baker Mayfield moment oh it has to be uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers week 17 when he um it was third down, and we had to pick up the first down to go to the playoffs, and it was a QB keep where he just ran it three three yards to the right-hand side, a QB keep, and then uh, I think it was Nick Chubb was the lead blocker and slides for the first down, and that was the second I knew the Cleveland Browns were going to be in the playoffs for the first time of my life, and tears were flowing. <laughs> Yo, you got to check out Brendan's TikTok, man. He is a Browns fan through and through. This is why I wanted to give him this opportunity just to to say all this. That is that that is beautiful and sad at the same time. <laughs> all right, so if that's your if these are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield, you've got Watson. It's been hard being a Browns fan the last couple months. First off, uh, before we get into the impact of the trade, would you retrospect? I mean, even at the time. When the Deshaun Watson came through, did you agree with it? Were you ready to move on from Baker to, quote-unquote, upgrade to Deshaun Watson? Yes. In a football sense, I kind of was because you look at the roster the Browns have right now. They have Nick Chubb. They have Kareem Hunt, and that is, that's your offensive key to the Super Bowl. The offensive line's the best it's been in a long time. The defense is better than it's going to get. The this is win now mode. And if you didn't, like if you 110% weren't sold on Baker being the guy that can beat every team in the AFC. And as much as I love Baker, I don't think if you're going up against a powerhouse of the chiefs, even the chargers, once they figure that stuff out, I don't know if Baker's going to be the guy to that level. And I, I love him to death, but I don't think so. So getting a guy like Watson, I get there's that infamous 24 point lead blown against the chiefs in the playoffs, but what that guy was able to accomplish, you know, just individually, I guess, with such a horrendous Texans team, I think it. I think I was ready for that jump. I just, you know, there's that big question mark on if if he if he's gonna play with the Browns and win. So from a football standpoint, I think I was because I'm so hungry for a Super Bowl. 
What do you think Baker Mayfield's biggest weakness is in becoming the quarterback that you think Deshaun Watson is? Feel like so Baker Mayfield has this tendency to pump fake like three times, like double clutch every time before he throws a ball. So I think it's just you watch Watson. Watson has all the confidence in the world in his arm. And Watson has a lot of poise as well and works the pocket incredibly well. Baker Mayfield was abysmal under pressure. I love it. Abysmal under pressure. And having a guy that can, you know, on third down, when you have heat coming at your face, to be able to just throw that four-yard strike, you need a guy like that. And I think in situations where there was pressure coming at him and it was a play he had to make it was way too inconsistent in that area all right so we've talked about baker mayfield gave you your your moment to say goodbye and i'm sure you'll miss him but you're ready to move on so we already know what this is for the browns it's it's set in stone deshaun watson their quarterback whenever in depending on court cases if he ever returns jacoby Brissett's your quarterback from now on do you think that this was a smart move on the Browns' side, given the fact that Deshaun Watson's future is up in the air and all those draft picks and capital has been spent to acquire someone of that caliber? Do you agree with the football side of things that getting letting him go was the correct decision? Yes, if we're I mean, if we're taking into account like the fact that Deshaun Watson's on our roster getting rid of Baker Mayfield was 110% the best football move. I think we all kind of know the guy Baker is. He's nobody's second option. He's not going to, like, Baker Mayfield believes in himself. And for a team that basically said, hey, uh, you got us to the playoffs. You, you've done everything you can for us. You played 16 games on a torn shoulder, but we're, we're going to bring in this other guy. Sorry, but a- after we have publicly said that we are planning on moving forward with Baker Mayfield, about two weeks later, we bring him in and Baker Mayfield does not play those games. So I know there was zero chance on God's green earth that Baker Mayfield would ever take another snap for the Browns. I mean, he would eat every fine he had to. Baker Mayfield does not does not roll with that disrespect. So I think from a football move, from every aspect, it was the right thing to do. Let me push back. And the reason why I push back is because I'm not 100% sure that this trade needed to be made now. In the sense that, and I get why it was made now. Hey, you know, whoever, whatever, whatever team wants him is going to want a training camp with him to figure out what his position on the team is. I understand that. Well, number one, you don't know what's going to happen in training camp. I I always go back to the Teddy Bridgewater injury, where mm. Minnesota coughed up a first round pick for your number one overall redraft pick, Sam Bradford. <laughs> They did that because they needed someone they could trot out starting day without it being a lost season from the first snap. I feel like at this point, A, you already sold low. I think that the decision should have been to keep him, to keep him away from the team. Just say, hey, Baker, you're going to get your money. Just chill. Just sit back, relax, all this. Maybe he wouldn't have liked it, but unfortunately, he's a contracted employee of the Browns. Okay, that this is their that was that could have been their decision what to do with him. The other thing that I I was trying to kind of reach in when I say the football side of this, if Deshaun Watson is indefinitely suspended, let's say it comes out that he is actually guilty of serious charges 
And not only will he face uh, a, a legal sentence in prison, that he would also pretty much be booted from the league Ray Rice style. Okay? Mm. This was – and I know that Ray Rice wasn't booted from the league, Blackfist, blah, 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 whatever. If you don't add those draft picks, they say they have this saying that time heals all wounds. If Deshaun was out and he was suspended indefinitely, he'll never be a Brown, He might. he'll never play in the NFL again – I think there's a way you could have repaired that relationship to where if you lose those picks, that you still have got a quarterback in-house that can lead the franchise for until those picks expire, you know, owing those picks, and then you can make that decision. Because now let's say Watson's just gone. You're with mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett. You're with Josh Dobbs. And you're hoping to luck into a Davis Mills or Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best-case scenario. Maybe an Andy Dalton. I just think that there is risk in trading him when your uncertainty with Deshaun Watson is so evident. They obviously don't feel that way. I I just truthfully think that there is probably a situation where if DEFCON 1 happens and Watson's gone forever, that you could have amended the relationship with Baker. And he would have come back a hero. He would have come back... Probably, probably would have made up all his money and more. You can franchise tag him. You can give him a Kirk Cousins deal, whatever it may be. So I do think that there is a lot of inherent risk in this, unless the Browns know that it's just a year-long suspension for sure. But then the legal process has to pay out, play out. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of my take on the Brown side of this. I get what you're saying, though. It's it was untenable, unamendable, whatever you want to say, whatever whatever mumble-jumbo word you want to say, it, what was never going to work. So you had to get what you could get. I guess that that would be my only – A, is that there's risk that Deshaun Watson may never play, and B, you didn't wait to see if a quarterback got hurt. And that's the big one. There are some teams – I, 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 I can't think of, you know, off the top of my head, if there's a contending key, let's go to Minnesota. And Kevin, o, uh, Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. is that his name, Kevin? Yep. What, the, the head coach? Yep. If Kirk Cousins goes down and he's there with Kellen Mond, and he's like, oh, nope, the, not, mm-hmm. not for my first year, and he gets Baker in there, who I, I would say that runs like a similar, Very similar system. system to the Rams. You know, you got some play action, you got all this. I, I feel like that you could have probably gotten a pretty good draft pick out of that and recoup some of that asset, but that's just hindsight, and that's the way that I that I see this trade being a little premature. For the Panthers, I don't like it mm-hmm. as much as I may have a while back. One, you've got three months. Well, no, 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 excuse me. You've got two months. Yeah. You've got you've got two months to bring in Baker Mayfield, have him go up against Darnold, have him go up against Matt Corral, who they picked in the third round and gave up a, I believe, third in 2023 to acquire. So now you have to split reps between three guys who think they're the guy. Like, Darnold was a mm. former third overall pick. Mayfield was the first overall pick in that draft, so that's awkward. And then you've got Matt Corral, who was a five-star quarterback, was Heisman Trophy conversation early in the season with Ole Miss. A guy that probably thinks that he's better, at least talent-wise, better than both of them. So that's just a weird situation to be in, especially 
with a guy like Matt Rule, who's already reportedly or, or rumors is clinging on for dear life for this job, or maybe maybe not clinging on at all, hoping that the bottom mm. falls out so he can leave. I'm not sure what the heck the situation in Carolina is, their head coaching position, but I feel like that this is more of a wrench in the terms of throwing it into a gear system than fixing it. So I, I just – how are you going to split up all the reps? Is Corral for sure just going to be a one-year sit and he's for the next guy, the next offensive coordinator, whoever it may be. And if Baker is the starter, I mean, where does that get you? You know, it's just – I'm not 100% sure why the Panthers wanted to go all in with this other than Matt Corral's just an absolute red shirt, which then it's kind of, you know, I, I guess, you know, anytime you can take a quarterback, especially a highly rated one, I understand it. And red shirting him's not a terrible idea, but – uh, that, that's kind of how do you see it for the Panthers I mean it I kind of like how do you like the difference between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield how significant of a jump do you think Baker Mayfield is because what this trade or if he's tells, a jump at all yeah exactly so I the thing that I am assuming is that the Panthers you know they they believe that Baker Mayfield is significantly better than Sam Darnold because if I'm not mistaken, they gave up like a freaking second rounder for Sam Darnold just a year ago, right? It might have been a second and a fourth, but yes, yeah, it was so, a second round pick in last year's draft. Yeah, so they gave up decent capital for Sam Darnold. So this is like honestly, this tells me that they are really, really, really nervous about Sam Darnold going forward, or they just really want Baker Mayfield. I I a hundred percent agree that. You know, three quarterbacks that I I do think Matt Corral is definitely going to redshirt. Sam Darnold, though, like you said, he was the third overall pick. He doesn't think he's a backup in this National Football League. Like he he believes in himself. So I think it's going to be a very messy training camp. But I also think that you know I it just kind of goes back to the guy I think Baker Mayfield is. I feel like every time he's ever succeeded in his football career is when he has that chip on his shoulder, and I don't think he's had a bigger chip on his shoulder in his entire career than what he has now going into Carolina. So they're hoping to get that, that version of Baker Mayfield. I don't think that they were playing on trading for, you know, just Baker Mayfield. They're trading for chip on the shoulder. I'm ready to kill the whole league type of Baker Mayfield. But I agree. I mean, if Baker Mayfield, let's not forget, he just had a shoulder repair surgery for a torn labrum. Like, that's not an easy or fun recovery to have. And we don't even know if he's going to be, you know, how he's going to be after that uh, return and after he heals. So, I do you think that there's any chance if Baker Mayfield does win this starting role? I mean, I don't know who would want him, but is Sam Darnold somebody you're looking at as, you know, trade capital? That That's a good question. I would have to say that at his number it would probably be pretty hard to trade him that mm-hmm. now i don't know the cap on on trading him specifically but i believe that his entire contract would come with him unless the panthers have already paid for most of it or all of it and the team coming in that's something that's something that i would have to review i i think that trade capital wise honestly i think the baker move more signifies that that dave tepper and this entire organization the the mandate is all in for this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they brought Baker in. They, If Darnold sucks or he goes down with an injury, they want to put in, or vice versa, if Mayfield sucks or go down with an injury, they want to put someone in there 
that has NFL starting experience, that has upside, that can lead them to the playoffs because this is, what, year three of his ownership now? Mm-hmm. And he just lost out on Watson, and he had to settle for Mayfield. I, gu- I guarantee that he is not happy. Oh, yeah, no. And, and it, I, I, I would say that this is an all-in move for this year. I just don't know how calculated it is. No, absolutely. And, you know, if maybe last month you and I were talking about how, like, I, I truly believe the Panthers are one of the most underrated teams in the NFL right now. Like, all Yeah, the, I like, think they is, can make a yeah, wild card. 110%. And I think that you, you know, you're taking your chance on the only guy that you could have gotten that has that playoff experience. I mean, other than Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think there's an, and I think the 49ers are holding on to him for a reason. So the only guy that you, that has any sort of playoff experience that you could get, I think would have been Baker Mayfield. And I, can we get, before you continue, can we go back to, they're holding on for him for a reason. Is that reason that nobody wants him? (laughs) <laughs> that and or I, I don't think they are impressed with Trey Lance. No, no, no. I get I get the, the rational yeah, side. But, it's just any time yeah. that I can throw a grenade into <laughs> Trey- Jimmy Garoppolo onto Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm I'm here to do it. Let's just get him into like a, a football modeling magazine instead of starting. Hey, well, I switch places with Jimmy Garoppolo in a second. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I definitely think that, and not to forget the the Panthers. They picked up Rashard Higgins too. And Baker Mayfield and Hollywood Higgins had very good chemistry when they were in Carolina. I mean, let's not forget Robbie Anderson. I mean, Robbie, An- did, I don't know. Did you see when um, there there was reports of Baker originally going to Carolina, and Robbie Anderson literally commented, "No, it's it's just no too way." Good. Yeah, so he literally like there's a player on that team that already doesn't want it. Oh play. my goodness, I did not see that. That's yeah. epic. Oh, it's, that's it, uh, oh, such good storylines. It is, but. I'm excited to see how it how it pans out. Praying to God that the Browns don't pull the Browns and things just figure themselves out. But Angelo, I have been so excited to get into these defensive tackles, and we said it every time we talk about this class, but it's one for the ages. I am super excited to see who impressed you the most. I'm I'm you know I think I know who it's gonna be, but Angelo, without any, I'm I'm done rambling. You take the floor, my man. Present these defensive tackles to me. So I'm going to correct myself from the top because it was more like a top five interior defensive Mm -hmm. lineman because some of these guys I would profile as three, four defensive ends. Right. And I'm going to start off at the top with the most interesting player out of it because he's the one that is going to probably be the most polarizing going into the draft. Let's start off with Brian Bruzzi. Okay. So the defensive tackle from Clemson, he's a redshirt sophomore. He was able to redshirt because he had a torn ACL last year that caused him to only play four games, which, funny enough, gave him third-team All-ACC, though, so we could see how the ACC's defensive tackle uh, position was that year. But it really does go to the type of guy that he's been at Clemson. He was the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. First team All-ACC as a freshman, freshman All-American team. He was the guy coming out of high school. I mean, he was the number one overall player by Rivals and 24-7 Sports, and he was number three overall by ESPN. Like, this guy is a certified stud in terms of talent. Problem is, I'm not sure if I exactly saw what everybody else is seeing when it comes to Bruzzy. Here's some of the things that I saw about him. By the way, 6'5", 300 pounds. He's an absolute 
unit of a man, especially at the college level. And he wins often when he uses his size correctly. And this is why I say that because my number one weakness, and this is going to make Brendan's blood boil like it was on the seventh layer of Dante's Inferno. <laughs> he can really struggle with his pad level. Damn right, he can. At his height. He, 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 when he plays with correct pad level, good luck. Like, just good luck. There's, not, there's nothing you can do with him at that, at that size with the athleticism that he has. Now, I don't think he's a great athlete, but he is a good like a good enough athlete, certainly good enough in terms of projecting to the pros. But when that pad level is not there, he's average, a very, very average. Even if he's not the low man, he can get driven back or even into the ground. And that's something as a youthful football player, a guy that's dominated on the high school level with that type of athleticism, size and strength that can be, like typical, like you could, you could, you could expect that, but this is tape. We're going, I watched like for an example, I got the ACC championship game against Notre Dame, Georgia in 2021. And that in the, in the first game where Georgia established themselves as an elite defense and his best tape by far that I saw was the Georgia tech tape from this year where he was really, really at it. Like what one thing is he, he's a completely different player when his pad level is good and his legs are churning, he shows lateral quickness off the snap when moving to different gaps. Like he can really go from one gap to another on on stunts or when he's relocating on pass rushing or even if he's shooting gaps in the run game. Like especially if he can really get his pad level down, he can blow up run plays. Like it's it's very evident. Uh, he has potential bend as a pass rusher. There's sometimes where even at that height, he can he can really turn uh, a guard or even sometimes a tackle, but mostly like at the at that guard position. And the thing that I also liked about him was that he could be sudden off the line. Like he, there are times, especially with Georgia Tech, where he comes off and boom, like he's he he's in the play. He's active. Uh, he's got he's got a motor. Like he he sometimes looks lethargic. Like when you look at him for being a number one overall player, it's not like this Adonis level athlete. You you kind of it's a little weird. You almost think like is he misproportioned? Blah blah blah. But he does have a he does have a good motor. Uh, my questions for him is. To me, like, is there traditional defensive tackle upside to his game? Because the guy that I saw, and we'll see this year and how he develops, I'll say this. I think that he can be a high-end 3-4 defensive end at the next level. With his pedigree, if he tests well and he keeps improving, especially that pad level, Brendan, Mm-hmm. I do think that he could, and, and I've, I mocked him in our first mock to the Pittsburgh Steelers, where we had the Marvin Leal being the Stephon Tuitt replacement. If Brian Bruzzi is the replacement for Cam Hayward down the line, he's the type of guy that I think could absolutely thrive at that role, like we've seen in Muhammad Wilkerson, or even on the high, high, high end, the Chris Jones type. But as a defensive tackle, I'm not 100% there yet. With his game, like I said, he's a very linear athlete, very tall. Uh, he's 
he he can struggle with his pad level, and when you're setting that inside, he can be driven back. I I, I don't I don't know. I I just feel like from what I saw, and what I saw to you because I I remember I had a phone call with you, and I said Brian Bruzzy may challenge Jalen Carter. This is before I watched anything, but his entire background screams top five pick. But from what I saw, well, what I saw is not top five tape. What did you see from Brian Brezzi? You know, at, I'm really glad you brought that phone call up because after you said that, I was like, I'm really excited to look at him. And I agree. I don't think he's going to contend for that number one overall defensive tackle spot. And I do think that a 3-4 defensive end is better suited for his play style. There is a couple of things that you said that I really wanted to hit on. His lateral quickness, like the, his first step off the line, I think is going to be one of his big, biggest assets. If he gets that lateral step to the gap, his gap penetration is gorgeous, dude. It is beautiful. But if he doesn't get that elite first step, and uh, the dude's got a re- really good first step. Like if he's timing it right, he has, and it's always it's always to the side. If it's like when he's trying to penetrate that gap, he wins almost every time on that. But like you said, if you're struggling with pad level, I'm going to find you and I'm going to rip you out for it. Somebody as powerful as him should, if you can understand getting your pads low, man, you're, the dude could win every rep if he wanted to. But when his back gets straight, he gets bullied and he gets thrown around. And he was a little bit of a, like a lethargic mover. He doesn't look really fast. But at the same time, like he's still able to get three gaps over in it, what looks like a, you know a step and a half. So I definitely think that what he was able to accomplish in high school, the kind of athlete he is, the raw talent there is, I I totally understand the hype. I totally get the hype. But what I saw was not a level of dominance I was expecting. I really was expecting something a little more, like just a little more electricity. But I really thought that, you know, this guy, when he gets that step, he's really, really good at penetrating a gap. But that's that's kind of what I see his his game as is just like a kind of just that gap penetrator. I was not nearly as impressed with his tape as I thought I was going to be. Like, I, I honestly would say there's maybe two other guys that I liked, liked watching better than Brian Bruzzi. Uh, I, we are, we are already going to, I think I already know who they're going to be. And it's just crazy how our, how similar our eye is because I agree out of the guys that I've watched, I would put Bruzzi third. Mm-hmm. I would put Bruzzy third from the five guys that I watched, and you'll hear those five because we can't, we don't have a scouting like complete baseline of this. We take a consensus top five, we watch them, and that is the beginning to to introduce you and Brendan and I to this to this scouting to this class. But Bruzzy was definitely third for me. Now I, here's the difference in between him and the next guy I'm about to talk about. Bruzzy has. Upside as a 3-4 defensive end, though. Like, he has the athleticism. He has some of those traits. Now, he's going to have to refine, and it's not to denigrate that 3-4 defensive ends aren't as important as defensive tackles. And In fact, like J.J. Watt is a perfect example of how great a 3-4 defensive end can be for a team. 
It's just that, from like we said, from watching Brezzy, and I wanted to kick off with him because, to me, he is already on my board as the most polarizing prospect of this coming draft. Now, I will, we will uncover other guys, and he will, but there's no way he won't be in contention because people are going to look at his accolades and they're going to look at his high school rankings, and the announcers are all going to say he's a superstar, and people are going to believe it. I mean, I did too before I did this. It's funny. There's a player similar to this, to where it, you're not always right. I had a buddy of mine that is a huge 49ers fan. And he said, or I, was, I was pitching to him this player we were about to watch. And I said, this Micah Parsons guy is thought to be maybe the next Patrick Willis. And we turned on the Penn State, Michigan tape of Micah Parsons. And it is probably the worst tape I've ever seen from a top prospect. It was it was horrific. He was it was lazy. It was it was no no football IQ in it. Like it was terrible. And then you turn on the the I believe it was the Cotton Bowl where they played Memphis, and he was just an absolute killer. So it's just it's one of those where sometimes you got to find the right tape. Like I'm really glad I found Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech's the 2021 Georgia Tech tape. You watch it and you're like, oh, okay. Like there, there's some stuff. Like there, there. Here is the the guy starting to blossom. But I do think at his size and his stature, that if you're thinking about like a a Aaron Donald, Warren Sapp type, like it's just not going to be there. But if you move the realistic idea to three four defensive end, you can have a high upside uh, start day one starting caliber player. On the other side of the Brian Bruzzy upside 3-4 defensive end coin. Up next, I've got Justin Eboigby of Alabama. He's a true senior. And the thing about Eboigby and the difference between Bruzzy and why I put Bruzzy third and I would have Eboigby a little lower is that he was a, he comes across as a very yeoman-like defensive lineman and a defensive lineman that that – pretty exclusively lines up at the 3-4 defensive end spot. Now, he was a highly ranked player. He was a four-star prospect. His grade among the the top players in this class kind of vary. Like, rivals had him the lowest, about 133, 12th strong side defensive end. But 24-7 sports and ESPN were a little more aligned. 24-7 sports had him at 62, ESPN at 31, and both had him as the number five defensive end in the class, at least strong side defensive end. And that's really the strong side part. Just remember that when talking about Eboigby. His stats in his career really reflect what I mean by his play. He has been a three, he's played about 38 to 40 games. I think it was 40 games in his career. He has 38 tackles, four tackles for loss, and two sacks. And that's because his role in this Alabama front is just very, very basic. He helps occupy two tackles. It opens up place for other guys. But he has an athletic frame for his size, like 6'5", 292 pounds. He shows a decent athleticism, but really his role at Alabama, and sometimes it confuses me why some of these top Alabama defensive linemen go there. and We'll, we'll talk about one in a little bit because – Alabama looks for guys like Justin E. Boydby to play those 3-4 defensive end spots because they're not asking to have a superstar at the position. They just want someone that's capable of fulfilling that role. 
And that's exactly what Eboidby does to open up other playmakers. Like, uh, you know, that guy, what's his name? The linebacker, Will Anderson, I think, you know, supposed to be a big deal. Helps for open up for guys like that. So Eboidby, out of the guys, I would say there's it's a two-sided coin. I think that he is going to be a 10-year starter like type of guy or 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 at least he is going to be your base run defense defensive end especially in a 3-4 like or I I just didn't see much out of him that screamed like oh this guy's going to be a defensive tackle he is very very fitted to be a 3-4 defensive end his frame says it his tape says it his position at Alabama where they do play a very traditional 3-4 defensive front that is going to be what he is. I doubt he'll ever make a Pro Bowl. I, I think that the stat production at college, as well as what you see on tape, it, it kind of shows that the trajectory wouldn't necessarily be an all-star level player. But I think what we've seen at Alabama from him with his physical profile, with his tape, that he should be very solid a very solid piece. He's a contributor to winning football. He's just not going to be a player that puts you over the edge. No, absolutely. I'm when I was watching him, I there was not a single play where I was like, "Holy crap, like what a play." But there was so many plays that were made because of him. Like you said, he likes to eat up like he can eat up double teams and stuff like that. And you know, honestly, he was so so close. I think I watched the uh, what is it, Texas A&M game. He was so close to making like every single last play, but he just couldn't make it. He was right there every single time, but it did allow for there to be a disruption in that play and somebody else to come and make that play. I think he kind of lacks dominant technique and stuff, but does a very good job at opening up roles for other people. But like you said, I don't think he's there's not a level of dominance with him. There's a very good level of solidness with him, and I think he's like the perfect definition of a of a role player. He is does his job perfectly to a T. I mean, they're not asking him to go out there and get, you know, 10 sacks a season. That's not his responsibility. They're asking him to eat up blocks, open up these holes for our linebackers to crash down and make a play. I mean, Without, like you said, without guys like him, Will Anderson's not having 35 and a half tackles for a loss. It's just not happening. So you, these guys are essential. Even though they're not quote-unquote stars, they're studs. Is Justin Boydby not the perfect definition of a guy that the Ravens get in the fourth round? And we're like, how did the Ravens <laughs> get Justin Boydby in the fourth round? Yep, and then he's going to be there for, for 10 years and just... Just assault, just opened up everything for a jabo and just, you know, you're you're crying into your little Browns towel. Like, I could totally see it. Where 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 did you like him? Uh, because I, I like this to kind of compare blindly. Uh, me and Brendan don't talk about the rankings or anything before the show. We we let it be here. So you had Bruzzy third, as did I. So do we agree on a Boydby? I put a Boydby at five. I, I four and five are kind of interchangeable for me though. I I I I a hundred percent agree. We're at the same spot. <laughs> I love it. Dude, these drafts, I'm excited to see how the rest of them goes because we've been on the same page. Dude. We are on the same – like since I started at NFL Draft Blitz, like this is it, – it's it's been simpatico or compatible except for one or two things. But let me see. Is the, let me see if that's the next guy uh, I think is, is in probably the range that we were just at. Uh, I, up next, I've got Tyler Davis. Mm-hmm. 
defensive tackle from Clemson. He's a true senior. It's it's the same. I know it. Yeah. Uh, it, it Tyler Davis is the thing. 6'2", 300 pounds. He's a little injury prone. He he's missed. Uh, he missed three games with a torn bicep in 2021 as well as missing the Georgia game for COVID. I'm not going to count that as an injury-prone thing, but he did miss a game for that. And then he missed five games in 2020, and it looked all to be because of an MCL sprain. But he's very highly decorated. As a freshman, he was second-team All-ACC. Last year, he was first-team All-ACC, second-team according to to the Associated Press. He's a four-star prospect, kind of sat in the top, 200 for rivals in 24-7 sports. ESPN had him ranked higher, number 58. But uh, he was really you know, well-recruited out of Florida. Not a, not a dominant prospect, but a very good one. Obviously ended up at Clemson. Uh, in 2019, he had most of his statistical output, mostly due to games missed. And then his role, you know, you could kind of see him play different roles. I think the first thing I would say about Tyler Davis when asked about him is that he's very solid. Like, he has a very solid all-around game. He's not an elite athlete, but he has the strength and speed to translate to the next level. Uh, One thing I loved about him is that he was really good at slanting across blockers in the run game. Much like Bruzzy, he really had this ability to, if he shot over an offensive lineman's face into a gap, that he was able to get traction into the backfield and disrupt the running lanes, which I think personally could be really huge in a very zone-blocking mm-hmm. scheme-heavy NFL. He's Like I said, I have saw him. He could split double teams at times. Now, sometimes he would take on – he would split double teams in the pass game, but sometimes be overwhelmed in the run game from it. I think the thing about him is that he's not much of a game-breaker. Uh, he's limited. He has a limited move set on his pass rushes. He really just plays between the guards, mainly. I, I watched uh, the Iowa State game. He had a great game uh, there uh, for for his for, for himself. Uh, the the ACC na- uh, championship game in 2020 against Notre Dame, or a couple games that I checked out from him. But overall, from what I saw of Davis, is that I think he's I think he's a firmly a day two guy. Mm-hmm. He, I, I think that he's going to be able to play a defensive tackle at the next level. I think he's going to be valuable. I think that he could even be a guy. He seems like a guy that we would look up when we do a redraft, you know, 12 years from now and go, oh, man, like, you know, he didn't make a Pro Bowl, but here it is, like 102 games started, 113 played in. Like, man, Tyler Davis had a really good career. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see – uh, much of a a special attribute to him, but I, I do think that if I had to, if I just had to push a st- put a stamp, and this is without knowing the rest of the class, ob- obviously that determines where a player goes is the rest of the class and how talented it is. Because sometimes you have a terrible class and a day two mm. guys a uh, mid day one. You know, you never know. But uh, it, especially with the way this class looks to shape up to be, uh, Di- Tyler Davis does seem like a day two guy. No, absolutely. There was um, I was listening to like a shorter podcast. I believe it was the the voice of college football. I want to give them their credit, but they made a really good point about the type of player Tyler Davis is. They said he's kind of like he's like the the grease to the motor, and Brian Bruzzy's the motor. You know, like he helps to mm. like when he's healthy and he's on the field, everybody else is playing their best football. I thought that was a really good point because I don't think Tyler Davis is the heart and soul of that. You know 
phenomenal defensive front. It's obviously Bruzzy, but when he is on the field, everybody is better. And I, I really like Tyler Davis. I think that he's going to be a very solid player. Like you said, like 102 starts, 102 games played. But what I loved most about him is he does not give up until the whistle is blown. And like, that, that's a big boy given that much effort every single play. He has a really good explosion off the line and has good natural leverage. I mean, I think that his pad level situation for being a big guy, he's got it figured out better than Bruzzy, which is impressive to me. And something that I noticed these Clemson boys really know how to do is to get that penetration and leverage on that first step. Like if you can get inside of them and push these guys backwards into the backfield, like they're really good at doing that. So he's a very high effort, second attempt, like relentless type of player. But one thing that I really noticed is he has a lot of upper body stiffness. And at times, like, yeah, the pad level's nice, but sometimes he just can get, like, redirected pretty easily for being a bigger, stronger guy. And then obviously you mentioned the, the injury issues. He's had a hard time being able to stay on the field. And with a, with a guy that's able to be kind of that, that oil to the motor, you want him to stay on the field. So I like Tyler Davis, but I think he is a very solid player, not a phenomenal player. Yeah, and I think I also noticed that upper body stuff that you did when I said like limited move set mm-hmm. on pass rushes. Like he can really split, he can overwhelm guards with his athleticism, but there is a little bit of a, a, there is a lack of motion. Right. It almost seems. It almost seems like he's a bullet. Now a bullet that can move in the terms of, you know, kind of he, he's he can be agile at times, but it just seems like once he's headed somewhere, it, it's that's the way he's going. Mm-hmm. Like that, th- there's not there's not much of much swiftness to him. I feel like he needs to get that upper body on on parallel with his lower body. Like it, it, they're just not on cue together. And there's room for him, obviously, to improve. But right now, that's kind of the way I see is that Tyler Davis is a very solid player, but not a special player. No, perfect. now the guy that. I'm about to talk about. You remember when we did the 2011 redraft? Sure do. And you picked Marcel Darius, the defensive tackle from mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I kind of told you he had this rise, and it was kind of unexpected. And But he was the first among the line of these really athletic, talented defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcel Darius is back. <laughs> I love and it. And his I... name's Byron Young. <gasps> Dude, we... <laughs> We're, we're yeah we're we're exactly the same aren't we five through one we we are I love it dude. it's exactly the same <laughs> yep yep Byron Young this dude I'll tell you what and the reason why I compare him to Marcel Darius is because it's the same frustrations with Darius that I have with Young but the same positives that's just like I live and die by you we'll we'll figure it out but Byron Young a true senior he is six three two hundred and ninety two pounds. Coming out of high school, four-star prospect all across the board, sat from the 105 to about 77 uh, player in his class, was rated you know, in the lower top 10 of both his position and in his state. Uh, but man, especially 2021, nine and a half tackles for loss uh, last year. This guy, this guy has some special traits, okay? He is he has like a really powerful looking body when you first look at him. He's so misfit in Alabama and I'll get to it in a little bit. He's so misfit for Alabama. Uh he's he he is a 
I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. He's a perfect three tech. Like he is a perfect three technique. Like your traditional mm. line them up. I got I, I got to hold myself when it comes to Byron Young. Get excited. Let me go through. <laughs> let me go through my report. He looks to have a really powerful body with more than requisite athleticism. His quickness and strength are both pluses. There are times where he can bench press tackles off of him, and you see that from time to time. And that's going to be the key as we get to it. And this is why I say that. He flashes enough wow plays to make you believe there's a high-end upside, like a truly high-end upside. I mean, this guy, when I say wow, I, when I say flash enough wow plays, I don't mean that as like, oh, that was good. I mean where I was in my living room doing my scouting, and I verbally would go wow against <laughs> my will because of something that he did. That's how special his high-end upside can be. He is hard to handle when rushing forward. Like, when he is just going straight up into the backfield, good luck. It's, I'll tell you what, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy for many of these SEC linemen that tried to handle him. He strikes powerfully against smaller players. And what I mean by that is that he absolutely bullies tight ends. He uh, he's 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 kind of a menace. I don't know what they did. To him. I don't know if like a tight end made fun of him, like some senior tight end made fun of him as he was a freshman coming onto his high school team. Well, he probably made his high school team in fourth grade. Uh, but uh, he he he's just he, I don't know if someone made fun of him. But when he goes up against tight ends, they have offended him or owed him money, and he treats them as so. It's so fun to watch. Uh, he's he's got suddenness to his game that can just absolutely change plays. I don't know if he's a game changer, and again, we'll get to it, but he when he when he is on, when it's on on and he's able to do his play, uh yeah, he could blow up any play. Any of them. Pass, run, fake, whatever it be, he can impact it. And the one thing I love about him for as inconsistent as he is, he does not quit on plays. Like you watch him and he's always going. Like he he's always trailing a play. He's always going for it. He's always until the ball's thrown. He's always trying to get to the quarterback, or you know, until he's until he's on the ground or out of the play on run plays. He's always trying to go for it. I, I the pluses I just are, were enthralled by Byron Young. Now he does get easily moved in the run game when setting his anchor, and what I mean by that is when he when he presses and starts to set. It, or like setting an edge, you know, quote unquote. He can he can get bullied to the ground. Like that's not his forte. Okay, he's he now when he when it comes to to playing the like playing across the line or kind of gets in movement. He's it's much better. But there are sometimes where you watch him where he can be put to the ground in the run game, and, and he played that three four defensive end, and sometimes he lined up at a four three defensive end. In Alabama's scheme, uh, but he's not an edge bender, but he won't be asked to do that at the NFL. That's not that's not his game, and it never will be, never should be, and mm -hmm. never will be. But like I said, he's he he going to Alabama. I get why guys want to do it. I totally understand. This guy should have gone somewhere where he could have played that four three defensive tackle and just been an absolute superstar because he does line mainly line up at three four defensive end he did line up at four three at time defensive end at times but he's so much better suited as a three tech defensive tackle uh, he doesn't have a long frame to him but he's well proportioned and when he adds some weight like his body can take it and he is going to be stout man like the, Byron young 
I, 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 you can tell me that he's more so Darius at the NFL level. You could tell me that he's uh, the next Gerald McCoy, or you could tell me that he's, you know, just, just a, you know, bounces around the league, Sheldon Richardson style. You could, you could tell me anything, and I'd believe it. But my God, do you see the flashes on tape? Like there, there is a special player in that man. Angelo, dude, I could not agree more with you. This, like, the fact that our lists are the same again gets me super excited, but I, I agree. Brian Young has an elite athlete inside of him. I was, you, you mentioned something about the in, kind of the consistency factor, and I saw that as well. But boy, when he was putting the pedal to the metal, uh, the, the first note, I'll, t- I'll read this first note I wrote about him. I thought he had a, very, a rather average pass rush back like there, there was nothing special about it but when he really wanted it he just won his reps with strength and leverage I mean there was there was literally nothing anybody could do about it. he just won with short with with pure man strength and leverage and that's another thing that I was really happy to see the dude understands leverage and I really wish that we could have seen him in that more traditional 4-3 defensive tackle to better suit his skill set and um, somewhat similarly to his uh, counterpart uh, Ebogide or Justin Boydby. Boydby, excuse me. They both are really good at opening up plays for other players and Byron Young as as good as he is at making a play himself you know you said he had what almost 10 tackles for a loss at that position last season but he is was constantly eating up double teams as well like I I think that he is just as important to the rest of people's success as we said Aboigby was but on top of that he does that have that playmaking ability in himself so that's why I like in my opinion this guy like I was not big on Fedarian Mathis. I like this guy so much better than Fedarian Mathis. Like, can, can I tell you my dirty secret about that? Of course. The more I watched just other guys, the more I went, Fedarian Mathis isn't that bad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's the dirty secret. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't have taken him in the top 50, yeah. but after watching that, I would be like, yeah, spend like a late round three pick on him for sure. I respect it. Like, I... I, I just happened to be watching. I was like, you know, Fedarian's making more plays than you'd think, and yeah. especially at nose tackle and stuff. But, but but before we get to that, I actually disagree with you on something. Oh, crazy. let's let's hear it. Let's hear it. I don't think he won pass rushes just because of strength and will. I think he's actually a very fluid and talented pass rusher. Okay, uh, and that's what makes him special. His hips and his athleticism when he's going the way he can maneuver in space around guards is going to put guys in hell. Like he's putting them in a turnstile because of that size, but it truly is that it's his agility in tight spaces which is why I so wanted to see him in a in a 4-3 defensive tackle spot because when I watched him and he could pass rush going forward of course he's unstoppable because of that size of strength but it was his way to manipulate like he could take guards and like put them on the other side like he could switch guards face masks if he wanted to now you could say that a lot of that is strength but it's at the same time of taking that space positioning himself and being able to maneuver within that so i actually really liked his pure pass rushing now if you said like move set maybe Mm -hmm. but I thought from an athletic pass rushing defensive tackle standpoint, I think he is I, – I, I, would, I would grade him very highly. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, I, I didn't say that he was a bad pass rusher. Like, I just – You didn't. 
No, you said it, he won with pass rushing with strength and stuff. Yeah, I, so, I was just articulating. I think a lot of it was was actually his fluidity and athleticism. Yeah, no, I definitely I'm 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 gonna go look at that after that because I I would really like to see that. Um, Byron, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I watched a lot more Jalen Carter than everybody else, but uh, I would definitely like to see a little bit more of what you're talking about. I, I'm well, I'll I, definitely show it to you because, like you said, you you want to learn more about defensive tackles. I could definitely definitely show you. I would say the games that we would watch is probably that Texas A&M game mm-hmm. and the Auburn game because I did the Mississippi State one and it was just it's just tough you know it was right. interesting he went up against Charles Cross a lot and Charles Cross held his own like, like I expected him to but Byron Young gave him some problems every now and then so that was really that was a really fun matchup to watch but obviously you know not 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 against Cross right not uh, against not, Cross, not but- against our boy <laughs> But no, Byron Young, he's a guy that I easily would have a first round grade on and just how high it is is just how how consistent can he be? Can he be played as a traditional 4-3 and what does that look like? I, I'm afraid that he's going to Marcel Darius us where he just goes super high and it's like, oh, you see it. You know, but mm-hmm. I, if he if he settles somewhere outside of the top ten and is used correctly, I think Byron Young's gonna be a it's gonna he's gonna make someone really happy. <laughs> No, all I, right, is it I, time for the main event? It, dude. I think we all know who the main event is. I, I, I can already hear it. It, it, it. You're, you're excited. I'm excited. Let's get to him. Uh, it's, it's, it's Young Carter, Mister Carter, <laughs> Doctor Carter. I'm bringing back 08 Lil Wayne and Jay Z on this one. We've got Jalen Carter, yes, sir. a defensive tackle from Georgia, true junior. Listed at 6'3", 310 pounds, which if he's 310 pounds, that is the slimmest, quickest 310 pounds I've ever seen move in my life, number one. Number two, let me get into some of his stuff before me and me and Brendan blow our load all over the <laughs> podcast with, with Jalen Carter love because it's, got, it, it's coming. It's coming hard, all right? Rivals had him as a four-star prospect but had him as the number 49 player in the class, which is a really good ranking. 24-7 sports, ESPN, both had him as five-star. Both had him as top 20 players in the class. Both had him as top five defensive tackles with ESPN and number two. And he was ranked by ESPN as the number one player in Florida, while 24-7 sports had him as number three player in Florida. All right, let's go ahead and say get that out of the way. Also was called Baby Sap coming out of high school, so we already know what's coming. Jalen Carter, and he was coach's second team All-SEC. I, I said it. During the before, this is before you watch Jalen Carter specifically. Okay, is this the first time you keyed in on Jalen Carter, Brendan? When I like, yeah, this was the first time I really, really just went 110% in on Jalen Carter. Do you remember though, a month ago when I said he was the he was the most talented player on their front? 110%, I do. I I said that, and what do you think about that now that you've uh, keyed in? Uh, I agree with you. You agree with me 100%, and I'll tell you what, these eyes do not lie, all right, when it comes to scouting. Boy, I'll tell you what, let's just go ahead and get to it. Uh, Jalen Carter, there's a lot that can be said about him. I'll go through my scouting notes, and it's not going to do him justice. He is very quick and fluid laterally. That That is the first thing that you see. He has the speed of a linebacker. At his defensive tackle spot. Like when he's chasing downfield, you really get to see it for yourself. He moves like he he's a middle linebacker. He really does. For a defensive tackle, for a guy carrying 300 pounds. He has elite speed when rushing the A-gaps towards the quarterback. 
I mean, if you go back and watch that Clemson game, there are some times where he gets in that A-gap, and if you don't get a hand on him, he's to the quarterback before the quarterback uh, drops his plant foot. It's, it is it is unseemly how fast and how quick he can go from 0-60 to 60 when going forward towards a quarterback. He sheds drive blockers with swim moves. He keeps his feet moving constantly upfield. Like he, when he's in that run game, he just he has the size to where guys try to get on him. And by the way, shouts out to Darian Kennard of Kentucky that gave one of the only clean run blocks I saw on all the tapes that I had on him. Gonna be a gonna be a Super Bowl champion guard with Kansas City, baby. Can't wait to see it. But <laughs> even they that. By the way, guys, we already a contender for best tape of the class. You go watch him against Kentucky, <laughs> and he eats that team alive and it's not due to any problem and you can say well it's kentucky no kentucky over the last half decade at plus has built one of the best offensive lines in all of college football has been on that more list for top offensive lines have had luke fortner go in the third round canard go in the fifth round they get guys logan stenberg with um with the lions last year like kentucky gets guys drafted okay can i can i put add something just real quick i have this bolded Make sure we bring up the dang Kentucky game, cause holy crap, Angelo. Yes, I know. I know you wanted to rub it in my face, but I've already identified it as <laughs> one of the best tapes I've watched, honestly, in years. Like this is how special this tape was, and for him, I'll keep going on the scouting notes. But you can already see that 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 Brent and I have already completely melted down in <laughs> talking about this. Uh, he gets penetration and run and pass defense. Like it, it's. He, he, he's an elite pass rusher, and he has the potential to be an elite run blocker with a caveat. And I'll get to that in one of his very, very few weaknesses. Uh, but he, he gets penetration both. He has a high football IQ from everything that I've seen. Like, there, there's never a point where I'm like, why is Jalen Carter there? Mm-hmm. Like, he seems to always be where he's supposed to and takes great angles. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. The little thing, you know you play football when you talk about this. He is great at pursuit angles. And the reason why he is is because he has the freaking speed to do it. He, As soon as a play gets to the sideline or behind him, he looks back, finds the spot on the field where he's coached to be, and pursues that angle. And uh, it, it's, it's, foot, it's football porn, essentially, is what it is. Um, Exa- like, but the being this deep on my strengths list was just, I think, a combination of of watching him over and over again. But change of direction is rare for a defensive tackle. Like the way that he can plant his foot and change where he's going, that's inside of the offensive line, like inside of the guard box or the tackle box, and even out into space. He plants his foot, he changes, he's gone. Like he he can do whatever he wants with his space, and he's a sound tackler. Okay. Uh, he gets pen- uh, Here's the thing, the weaknesses. He gets penetration in the run game, but he'll never anchor a run defense from what I saw. he's just, And that's part of what makes him great, though, that athleticism, that special lightness that he plays with. I just don't think that – like a guy like Ndamukong Sue can anchor mm-hmm. a run defense. I don't think that Jalen Carter will have that type of multi-positional like or multi-fit. I can't say it. He won't necessarily be elite at both. But you're looking at probably more of an Aaron Donald type mm-hmm. when it comes to his run defense, where his advanced numbers will likely be a lot better than what you see in, in the terms of what, or the way that people talk about him. He can get mauled by stronger opponents in the run game, 
his lean frame is a huge positive in pass rush, but obviously shows potential deficits in run defense. Uh, how much do I care about that? Not much. I'm not going to lie to you. Not not with how special he is. Um, he, here's some general notes. He plays all over the uh, interior of the line. He rarely lined up at nose or end. Uh, he stood in a two-point stance at times, and that's just because he can, because he's that athletic. Uh, played fullback in goal line. I, I saw this on one of the clips when watching him, but uh, it's if you look it up, it's uh, Jalen Carter blocks three guys, and he legitimately <laughs> goes from fullback, goes through the line, and he takes out one guy that leads into another one that leads into another one, and he absolutely clears away for a touchdown run. And to me, it was just like, yeah, you're just an elite football player. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, he could stand to add some weight, uh, but I just think that'll likely come with physical maturation and an NFL strength and conditioning program. Like, again, he's a true junior. Like, he's only been in college for two years. Two. Dose. And this first one was COVID. So this guy has just the ceiling. The, the ceiling is at, like the sky or the, the, ceil- the, the ceiling is whatever. It's outer space. It's, it's Neptune. Whatever you want to say it is. Like, this guy, he's perfect. He's perfect. Uh, he's best fit will be as a one-gapping, penetrating three technique uh, where he can use that athleticism. It won't last long because they're going to double-team him all the time. Uh, and then, uh, like, I, I just made one note. He actually did have a big gap in the SEC championship game. He was a quarterback spy, overplayed his side, whatever. I just put that in the general notes just so there's a little bit of, you know, did, did Georgia pay these guys to write the scouting report? But I promise you <laughs> we did not. Uh, overall, when I talked to you about Jalen Carter about a month ago, and you're asking why are defensive tackles like why like I don't get defensive tackles sometimes like what makes a special defensive tackle prospect? Jalen Carter is that guy. Like mm-hmm. I, just off the top, my three top defensive tackles that I can remember since Sue was was obviously Sue. Then it was Quentin Williams. I I, I can't imagine by the end of his junior year, Jalen Carter won't be ahead of Quentin Williams. Uh, I don't know if he could beat Nadamikin Sue as an overall player, but. I think that the whispers that you can say without somebody trying to light you on fire is there's if there's one person where you can say he has Aaron Donald upside, it's this guy. No, 110%. I mean, Angelo, I knew I was going to be getting into something special when I watched him. But I like you you mentioned how impressive the speed is and the change of direction for somebody this size. In my notes, I have very very in capital and bolded Elite change or elite change of direction and quickness for the position. There was a play against Alabama where the dude instantly gets penetration. He's behind the center, okay, like he does every other freaking play. But the the um, Bryce Young's back there, and he he sees that there's a running back in the flat. He can go get Bryce Young, but he knows by the time he gets Bryce Young, he's just going to be able to land hit on him. He's not going to make a play. Instead. The dude, the 310-pound man, puts his foot in the dirt and beelines to this flat and makes the play. Are you like, are you kidding? Like that, that play was I that was, the SEC or the national title? I, I want to say that was the SEC game. I I agree. You know why? Because I did not watch the national title, and I think it was a screen. Was it not? I, I where, think where it, he got through, and he was on like, the right oh, hand this is side, a screen. on the right hand side. Yep. Yep, dude. That play, I was like, that is a perfect display of just the 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 smarts that Jalen Carter has and the freaking athleticism that he has. I mean, that was a to a T of what Jalen Carter is as a football player. And on top of that, like 
there's players that are like high effort players and then there's players that like are high effort and highly active doing everything they can. I mean, there's guys that aren't going to give up on a play, but there's guys like Jalen Carter that are going to do whatever they can and whatever they have to do to have a successful play. I mean, there he was constantly trying to, when he was in position to get a hand up and block the vision of the quarterback, he was doing it. When he was able to come and make a sef- second effort, even if he wasn't going to make the play, he was doing it. He fights through double teams, even if like, I've, I've literally have seen the dude get through a double team. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And he was, I mean, it, not, sorry to not run the t- Kentucky game in, but that was the last game I watched before I went to sleep. Oh, dude, look, listen, Every if there's ever a single... time to talk about a Kentucky game, <laughs> his tape versus Kentucky is the one. Every single play he was in the backfield, Angelo. Every play. It was. I, 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 I am very well aware. <laughs> I have never seen, I mean, yeah, you see edges, you know, just bully a, a, a tackle at times, you know, and just get, get the edge consistently. I've never seen a guy from the interior win and get inside so often. I mean, like, Kentucky is just, like, if I saw I was playing Georgia and playing Jalen Carter, I'm like, all right, so we're not going to run any inside zones. We're not going to run any inside run plays. We're not going to run any, like, let's just not run the ball. Like Jalen, like it, I was, and you know, so what are you going to do? You're going to pass so he can pass rush you. That's a great idea, Brendan. Thanks for your genius offensive (laughs) coordinating. But like I was saying a couple weeks ago, like with that, like, I don't, you know, what makes a special defensive tackle? I know it. I watched Jalen Carter. I know what a special defensive tackle tape looks like now, Angelo. And that's okay. Brendan, that's okay to say that because like I've said, like the best defensive tackles of your day or literally like Derek Brown, who I just, I was never huge on. He's huge. I was never huge <laughs> on Derek Brown. I did love Quinnen Williams, but the difference between Quinnen Williams and Jalen Carter, and I'd love to find a parallel to say this to you. I had Quinnen Williams as my number one player in that draft, mm-hmm. but Quinnen Williams was more of a perfect prospect like, to me, it was like he has zero weaknesses. Like, that's what I – when I saw Quentin Williams, I was like, he does every single thing right and does not have a deficiency. But Jalen Carter, the, it's this is just different. This is a generational player. My, my floor for him is can be the best player on a defense. And my ceiling for him is best defensive player. Like, you can build your defense around mm-hmm. him. And some of that is like, okay – if he's not an elite run blocker, can that be the fact? But with how much – and it's funny. People people won't believe this on the foot, but the more you look into it, the more it's true. College lines are bigger than NFL lines. That's just a fact. Mm. You know what? If you remember – and I'll get, I'll, I'll get yeah. to the proof. I remember uh, when Russell Wilson came out, one of the big – Big things people talked about were, oh, well, he's not going to be able to see over NFL lines. It's just a fact. If you took the height and weight and averaged it across Wisconsin's line that year, it would have ranked third biggest in the NFL. (laughs) Third biggest, third tallest and heaviest in the NFL. Wow. So that was the first time I got privy to it. Bro, if you look at SEC lines, go watch it. There's not one guy that's not 6'4", 320 pounds. Oh, like, yeah. It's just not, and you and you look at Green Bay, and you look at L.A., and you look at San Francisco, dude. They, these linemen aren't big; they're athletic. Mm-hmm. That's the way the game's gone. So you get these guys that are three oh eight, 
that are six three, but can but you know but can cover you know, six yards in two seconds. And that's what they need to do in zone blocking. So you can position your holes for the running back. If that's the case, Jalen Carter is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> He's going to, I mean, like, I mean, we're talking about like Freddy Krueger nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Yo, this guy, he can, and I was trying to think, and it was trying to, how can I explain to Brendan why like generational defensive tackle prospects are sometimes viewed higher. Now I will still probably put edge rusher overall mm-hmm. but we've seen what Aaron Donald's done and I know Aaron Donald's a once in a lifetime defensive tackle maybe it's twice maybe it's twice I mean this guy the the athleticism at his size is unheard of and that Kentucky I mean like honestly that Kentucky game is an all-timer like it's it's one that if he ever makes the Hall of Fame in the NFL someday, or if we ever, you could put that game as an example of, yeah, this is when this guy was in college, how special he was. Cause I've never seen, I don't know. I don't know the last time I watched, maybe I think maybe Nadamakan Sue versus Missouri in 09. Like that's how far I can go back with mm-hmm. it. But Nadamakan Sue versus Missouri in 09, maybe the last time I saw a defensive tackle game wreck one singular game. Like he could, yeah. he, he's special. They do, they tried to double him. And that's with Travon Walker and Devontae Wyatt on that line. <laughs> it's absurd. And it like he's no, absurd. And Kentucky's line is is not bad by any. It's a good. It's good. Like, it's good. It's like, a good it's, line. It's not even average. It's good. Like it's. I have never seen a human the size of Jalen Carter be able to do the physical things that he does. Just it's it's. I I always make a joke and be like, oh, it should be illegal for a guy that big to move that fast. It should be illegal for a guy to be that big and move that fast. And on top of that, he wears number 88. The dude's a menace. Like, he is a (laughs) menace to society, and I am here for it. Yeah, so when I I told you between Will Anderson that there's one guy that could jump. Now, I'll tell you what, watching the Alabama stuff, Will Anderson pops a lot. He's very fast. Mm-hmm. There are some times where I think did was I did I send you no I sent I send you the Trayvon Walker one yeah. where he just exploded it's off the line and stuff. I was like well that was impressive uh, but no if there's one guy that can challenge Will Anderson and if I had to bet money right now I'd say Will Anderson still goes ahead of him I, I think a lot of his is going to be testing mm-hmm. uh, that'll determine who goes first but I I think that Jay, Jalen Carter just ba- he's a Top five pick, I would go top four. Like I, I just think that this is the type of guy I have not seen a defensive tackle quite like him come across. I, th- I think if you ask an older head, they would be like, "This is what Warren Sapp was." Mm. That's the only thing, and they called him Baby Sapp yeah. in high school, and it, I think it's truly fitting. It's truly fitting. I, I don't, I cannot again. Nanami is the best. He's the best defensive tackle I've ever scouted. I don't know if Jalen Carter can can pass that up, but. Jalen Carter is the most athletically special. And, dude, I am so excited to see what he does this year. And it's kind of – it's going to be an opportunity to show who he really – like the true level of dominance that he has. You know, he's he, – they lost a lot of those defensive powerhouses in the draft this year. So I'm really excited to see what Jalen Carter does when he is, you know, the the number one name on that defensive side of the ball, you know, especially in that front seven because – they, they did take a few hits at that. I mean, they lost Jordan Davis. Uh, they lost, you know, Mr. Number One overall pick. They lost, uh, like, Wyatt. Two, yeah, Wyatt. And then, like, it, they lost a lot of that front seven. So I am really excited. Walker, to, Dean, yeah, they lost. Yeah. They, Tyndall, they lost a they lot lost, of guys. Yeah, yeah. so it's going to be a bit, if he, res, you know, recreates this dominance with, 
who's who's to say that you know my assumption that the defense is going to take a little bit of a step backwards from losing all of that talent but if he doesn't take a step backwards and he has a phenomenal pro day like a jordan davis type pro day you know or a combine excuse me i agree with you i really do think that this could be the guy to overtake will anderson yeah, I I, I I was about to say, um, I don't think he needs a pro day or a combine to cement top five pick status. Like mm-hmm. I, ge- oh, he's he's a genuinely top five. Ble- yeah, I th- I think there's some recent drafts he could go number one. Like mm-hmm. I in I won't I'll put it at under twenty percent, but I won't rule it completely out. He could be the number one pick. But that's how, I mean, like I'm I'm telling you all, uh, you could go to NFLDraftBlitz.com and look up my scouting report. And within the Jalen Carter scouting report, there are links under the scouting notes where you can click on the Kentucky game and watch what we're talking about. And all you have to do is key in on number 88 and you will, you will see like, whoa, they are going to like, we're, we're, we're gushing so much that people will, it's kind of like LeBron James where you want to go the other way. But really it's just going to be Batman where it's (laughs) like everybody just universal. Like, yep, he's the guy. Like that's 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 our guy. Like, but I'll I'll use a better I'll use a better. He'll be like Michael Jordan, where everybody's like, "Yep, he's the guy." Mm-hmm. Like that's how, like just watch the Kentucky game number eighty eight and come back and and leave a leave a comment or a review and say, "Yeah, you, I guess I guess that you all were kind of right about Jalen Carter." <laughs> no, I I I'm super stoked to see what he does with this season and where he ends up going in the draft. But dude, Angelo. I had one heck of a time watching these defensive tackles, and I it, it's insane to me that, you know, they're, the, the talent, like, these defensive tackles, I think, are far and away, uh, like, better than last last year's, like, don't, I, don't, it's not even close, yeah, it's not even close, like, don't get me wrong, you know, Travis Jones was awesome, but he was really only elite in one category, all those guys in the last class had, like, one thing they did really well, the, the, the five guys we mentioned are all going to be good in the NFL. I, I, I really believe that. They have some things to figure out, but, I mean, and once I, I'm so – I love that we had the same list once again. We had the exa- – exact by the way, same. we do not talk about this beforehand because <laughs> we want to go live so you all – so you get the same feeling that we do going through it. We literally had the same exact five through one. And I, honestly, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see how many positions we hit on the same. Uh, next week, Angelo, I believe we're going to have offensive guards presented, and we might have uh, uh, somebody else that works for NFL Draft Blitz, Mr. Noah Ellison, joining us on the show. Possibly, yeah, yeah. If we get that coordinated, that will be what we do next week. And then I am coming back up soon with running back scouting, and <laughs> I am very excited. For, wait, did Noah get running backs or did I get running backs? It, it doesn't I, matter. I'm still, got running I'm still backs. going to scout yeah. running backs. Yeah. I love scouting running backs. I, I really do. I actually, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I know I know it seems basic, but I've got I've got a weird, like if there's some place where I'm like, I'm surprised I had this deficiency, I'm weirdly on the other side. Like I can sniff out a good running back. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. but uh, I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited to see who you sniff out. Am I, if Bijan Robinson coming out in this next draft? 
Uh, he certainly is. That's my dude, Bijan. I cannot wait to talk it's, about that. This boy. is going to be one of the most special drafts in the history of football. I'm, oh, I'm not kidding. Dude. Like at, we we've got legitimately like a borderline generational player at every position. I'm literally blushing talking about the freaking NFL draft right now, dude. I I, I can't wait get into to get into the. Yeah, it's the, only ten <laughs> months away, too. Yeah, right? Goodness. Yeah, I know. I'm only gonna be like losing my mind. But hey, at least at least we got these shows so we could get a little bit ahead and we we can. Get Give, you know, give you, our fan, you know, what what we're all waiting for, you know. That's that's why we're here. We love the NFL draft more than anything else. So, Angelo, I am super excited for offensive guards, but, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for those running backs. But I really appreciate you doing your defensive tackle breakdown, Angelo. You killed it. You Like, I had a fantastic time. I don't know what it was. It might have been the Jalen Carter uh, man crush, but I had a really good time today, my friend. So thank you for the phenomenal breakdowns. No problem. I appreciate you going over them. And of course you thought I did a great job. I had the same list as you. It's like, ah, uh, you know, any, anytime that can happen. Oh, he thinks the same as me. I like this guy. He's a smart man. But oh, I appreciate you as always. And like I said, we'll be back with offensive guards and Angelo and I are going to be gushing again over the running backs here soon enough. And gosh, I, I can't wait to get into it. I, I really appreciate you guys tuning into this episode of Blitzcast and we'll be back at you next week.